Good evening, everyone. Hey. Good evening. Hello. So we cover quite a bit of distance today. Uh, Italy, Finland, and Berlin, and I'm in Rotterdam. Yeah. Decent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pan-European. North to the far south. <laughs> How far south are you, uh, Andrea? Uh, <laughs> a lot. I mean, uh, near Greece, the end, oh. the hill, the hill of Italy. Ah, like Bari, okay, cool. somewhere like there? Yeah, very close to Bari. Okay, okay nice. How's the weather there now? <laughs> oh, it's like seven degrees, eight degrees. Okay, like, like this is uh, the lowest that it ever gets there. Yeah, I mean, it also gets some snow in the past few years, but uh, usually, you know, doesn't drop uh, lower than this. And then when the wind from the south comes over, then it can rise easily to 15. Sounds good. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Anyway, but the food, the food is always nice there. So <laughs> you know, no, no matter how cold it gets, you at least get a decent plate of food. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, and joining us from Finland, one t first time guest on the show, uh, Samuli Kempi. Uh, welcome to the show, man. How are you? All right, all right. Good, 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 good. Um, you, I think you have the the prize for the best uh, looking background today. Yeah, the most yeah. credible. <laughs> <laughs> it's plutonium glow that I have here. <laughs> oh, what plutonium? <laughs> no, no, it's just that 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 light over there. Yeah, it looks okay. Like on here on screen. Okay, okay. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, and we have uh, Tim uh, Locked Groove joining us from uh, Berlin. Welcome, yep. Tim. How are you? Thank you. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. It's getting colder here actually because we're talking about the weather. I think today it's like close to freezing point. So yeah, but pretty good. Yeah, been really busy in the studio for some reason after our last chat um i remember we were talking about drum and bass for a while for i don't know if it was before or after i can't remember um and then i just the week after i just started making some drum and bass for some oh, cool. reason so i've been doing that for the last couple of weeks so really interesting Okay, so, is yeah. that something you're uh, planning to to release or is it just an exercise in the uh, well, i used drum and to I used to before I, I before I released under Lock Groove. I did music for Hospital Records, a drum and bass label. So um, yeah, so I used to release music drum and bass. So but I haven't made it for years. I'd say like close to ten years. So but I mean it's fun. Yeah, I'm enjoying myself. So yeah. Okay. How, how was yeah, it to re revisit? Back very strong. Sorry. Bass in the last few months. Drum and bass. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, how yeah, was it? I mean, to I think a lot of people, your, uh, it's, uh, sorry, so the delay, I should shut up. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting drum and bass being released now as well. And I mean, if I'm not, if I don't make it now, when am I going to do it? Like during the year when I'm playing shows or something, it's not really the, the best time to focus on that. So might as well experiment now and do some stuff. And there's some really good stuff in the drum and bass world being released. Like the production value of some of those things is just out of this world. So yeah. So so what what type of drum and bass uh, 
are you working on? Because the it's like like techno in house, right? I mean, the, the what people call drum and bass these days. What 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 should I? How should I imagine what you are doing? So well, I like mean, a, what I'm doing now is just ma ma mainly jungle. Um, like okay. I, I, I wish I could make like the tech step stuff and like neurofunk, but like I can't. Like it's not for me. Uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't even know how to start one of these tracks. Um, so I just stick to my guns and know what I can do, and I just yeah make some jungle tracks and um, I'm also like more like more minimal stuff like the stuff instrumental used to do. So a bit more like yeah autonomic. They call it autonomic drum and bass. Um, so I'm doing that a bit as well, but yeah, mainly, okay, mainly so, juggle. <laughs> so, so this involves uh, cutting up, uh, chopping up, uh, break beats and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I work with a tracker, so, um, that's kind of fun as well. Like, uh, the polyam tracker, which is oh, really cool. fun to use. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I started doing it in, in my, just in my DAW, but that's it's really not fun doing mm -hmm. it that way um so tracker is actually perfect for this and when they released that i was instantly interested in in it and yeah that's kind of how i started making uh, jungle again and drone bass because of that machine right okay yeah yeah because i mean i i think every everybody has has been dabbling in in chopping up uh breakbeats and stuff like that you know and there's so many ways to do it right i mean you could yeah. you could just uh, cut things uh, all in separate parts like Rex style, Rex file style, you know, mm. or you could or you could make copy samples and have like a different starting point and leave the rest uh, running basically without an end, yeah. end point and stuff like that. So um, yeah, there are so many ways. What what is your favorite way of uh, um, chopping breakbeats? Um, I mean, there I mean there's a there's a couple of different ones. Oddly enough, like. Um, it, it kind of depends on the on the tempo as well. If I use uh, breakbeats and I'd have to chop them up for like let's say like a more techno-y track or something, I usually do it like in the box, and then I, I mean in Ableton you can just use the automatic function in Simpler or Sampler where you basically do the slice thing, mm -hmm. and then it slices it up and then play around with that, see where it, where that gets me. But um, yeah, for I mean if for for me personally, if you if, if I make a jungle track, like doing it with a, a tracker is like a lot more fun, and I I really only do that. Sometimes mm. I'll I'll what it, a good thing is as well if you have like really um, I mean if you have a couple of like the classic breaks, couple like like let's take the obvious one like an almond break, and then take a dinky break or something. Layer those two, and then what you said like use different starting points. But mm. just layer those two and have them like duck out with a gate or something like against each other, so you create a more like answer response thing with uh, with breaks. Basically, that's what I like to do as well sometimes. Um, but it, it kind of depends with me on on the tempo mm. because the workflow is completely different than for me. For the other stuff, I have to add. Generally speaking, when I do a jungle track, I I tend to keep it a lot more simple than when I do a techno track. So I focus more on the breaks only, um, and that's where a tracker really comes in handy. I mean, it's at least for me. I know how yeah, it's yeah. for other people, but yeah. 
So, well, good to hear you actually have the patience for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I used to produce like that in, in the past a lot, you know, like uh, uh, sample and resample and chop things up and then just lay them out, uh, make big banks of shit and then lay them out over the keyboard, across the keyboard and um, mm. and then just play new things with whatever you ended up with, you know. But it's so time consuming and I'm 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 just too easily bored these days to, uh, to yeah. get into that whole preparation thing, you know. But it's cool. It's cool. I think I think one of the things as well, like, like I mean, uh, we're so used to um, having this instant. You turn on the computer and like you you want to make music and you want to make it now, and it has to be instant. Making jungle for me is also a way to take a step back and actually think things through a bit more and mm -hmm. fo focus on only doing that, like that one thing, basically. Well, there's one thing to say about that method because. Um, it's almost like um, kind of like calligraphy, you know, so you basically spend the whole day uh, preparing yeah. your tools, yeah. you know, you sharpen your, uh, your, your whatever thing and you make, you make, you prepare the paper and, uh, you know, kind of uh, make the ink, you know, and just have all this time to kind of prepare and focus uh on the on the act you know and then when the sun goes down it's like two strokes and it, and that's it yeah. <laughs> and there's something to say about that you know it is it, it has a sort of meditative um uh, quality to the preparation it's like uh, it's like uh, making your making a massive meal and making everything mise en place before you start cooking yeah. it you know <laughs> yeah. so have you have you uh any of you dabbled in um in drum and bass uh samuli or um andrea no, no, yeah, not, I not. had some experiments, but not alone. With a okay. friend of mine, we have are a you doing, doing drum and bass like uh, the Finnish group, large amount of soul. Laos is another guys, and uh, that's pretty much it. I, I, I played some drum and bass in the early nineties, but I think it was like jungle back then. I don't know. My mm. friend was uh, as an exchange student in London, and uh, she sent me some. Uh, C tapes that were from pirate radio station and this I was playing hardcore techno pretty much back then and we we had this early warehouse scene in the early nineties and this jungle was kind of new thing for us. So this thing that I got on tape, C tape was like, wow, what is this? And and I sent her some money so she could buy me like twenty records and uh that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> it was well, I, I, it, as a DJ perspective. It's always been really fun music to play because it's so simple to mix as a DJ. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's the I think the only times that I publicly played with three decks back in the somewhere mid mid nineties. But uh, I I think I pretty much sold all, all the drum and bass or or jungle records that I had back then. <sighs> Yeah, what I like about the playing drum and bass is that I haven't I haven't done it in public, but um, when you can basically go uh, full tempo or half tempo in your head, you know, with the timing. Yeah, uh, I re I really like to kind of skip and move around between the two uh, paces. You know, I, I really like that. That's that's always cool. Yeah, I did yeah. one. I did that. Did the drum and bass? Well, a jungle set for like her, like the live streaming thing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Last week, I think, or two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, nice. We'll check that out. Hey, I hear a cat. Yeah, Let's get the cat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the screen. Wait. Get the yeah, yeah. Get the cat in the screen. We'll get more views if we if we get cats in the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no.
what's uh, his or her name? Madeleine. Madeleine. Like, okay. Yeah, you know, like the, the it's like a French pastry, Madeleine, and she has like yeah. the same color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So okay. now the views should go up. Uh, I don't know if we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's ex <laughs> we're we're actually a fire going viral right now. Yeah. <laughs> it should go on that page, you know, cats and synthesizers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. See. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> People don't say anything. When, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I saw a cat. My day is complete. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, uh, Tim. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. No worries. <laughs> Cats and drum and bass. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good album name. Good album name. Yeah. yeah why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think uh, we should have a look at what's behind Samuli because I'm I'm told my eyes are drawn to whatever's going on there. Um, can we get a tour? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh. I can take the microphone. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Freestyle. <laughs> no fucking way. Well, um, this basically is my main tool these days, the modular thing. What I'm using for, uh, can you see, for sequencing is Circle. Circle, I, yeah. I love it. It's, it's a powerhouse. Uh, sound card is uh, have UAD system. I got Apollo X8 and Arrow as daisy chain, so I get everything in as mono channels and some some extra ADDAs. So I can basically record the 20 or 22 mono channels at the same time. And nice. uh, but I but I always arrange everything live, so I don't do edits when when I recorded the track. So you multi-track it basically. Yeah, like a, yeah. you use it like a tape machine. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then what else? Uh, mm, there's some effects, which are, well, there are effects. And then Move Minitaur, Telemark, DFM, Pulsar 23, Defer Dark Energy, MS20 Mini, Vermona DRM, Kohlfeld, <laughs> Lyra 8, Matrix Brute, Juno 106, ESX One uh, Miami and uh, XOX TBXOX and uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> pretty much it. It's uh, it's, it's it, look, it's impressive, man. It's a really nice uh, collection, a very flexible collection of gear as well. Yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, I've sold, I bought and sold stuff, but uh, this is something that I've, I'm now quite happy with, and it's become the whole whole studio is kind of my my instrument and uh yeah depending on the mode i choose what i use and, uh, so how how long did it uh, take to make friends with uh, the circlon uh, actually uh, i see split radix uh, commenting on the fact you have one uh, yeah stefan check your uh, instagram dm uh, messages uh, dude <laughs> anyway it, it's uh, well you can quite easily get into it. It's it's pretty simple. Though. If you un understand the hierarchy tree, and it, it's 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 super simple. So you have songs which have scenes, which have tracks, which has which have patterns. So it's, mm. it's super simple in that sense. But uh, I think it was like two three months after I got it. Uh, I I was playing in, in in Tresor, and we had an artist artist dinner, and uh, Daniel Bell was there, and he's been using uh, 
uh, Circlon since the first version of that sequence put out. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been using this, uh, the latest version of Circlon since the day one, pretty much. I think he has a serial number two or something like that. And he said to me that there's still every day he is lear learning new tricks with it. So you, it's it's something that, I mean, read the manual and you still learn new stuff after that every day. It's it gets really you can get really complex stuff like this when you start like making these uh, logic. Uh, yeah, the auxiliary, uh, the auxiliaries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can, you, you can do really really crazy stuff with that. So I'm 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 still an, still like learning that stuff. Mm. I've been using this machine for I don't know three four years. Yeah, yeah. I I, I I've had it around for a while, and um, when when I got it, I I was intending to make it make it the the final uh, heart of the studio machine, you know, like the centerpiece mm. type of thing, and um, uh, it still hasn't made it as to that position. But I'm starting to use it more and more, and and yeah. it is just mind blowing how how powerful it is. Just crazy. The timing is absolutely rock solid. Um, it responds to MIDI and it sends MIDI. It's everything what what it does is is it's doing it in a really really solid way. So it's a very reliable um, piece of gear, um, but um, but yeah, you can go really really deep. Yeah, if you have multiple layers of auxiliary things going on mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, basically everything you imagine uh, it should do. If you look for it, it does. You yeah. know, it, it there is a way to do it. Yeah, of course. They, are you also on the on the Facebook group of circling users? No, Colin, Colin, who is who is the inventor and the owner yeah. of company he's also there and he gives uh, gives answers if, if, if you're like if you need to know something oh right yeah yeah well forum for uh circle yeah yeah i'm i'm it, i mean the the i i must say i rarely go to uh, resort to uh, uh tutorials and 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 groups you know i'm i'm uh I kind of like to find it out myself <laughs> you yeah. know and to stumble upon things in in your gear that you um that you discover and it sort of gives you instant uh, aha moments and inspiration and stuff, you know. So uh, I don't mind, you know. I, I, I mean, there's so much gear, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure I don't know half of the stuff it can do of all of it, you mm -hmm. know. And, and and it's just cool to to um, sometimes take one of these machines and and just do a really deep dive and then discover all these new things, new things which kind of inspire you to do new yeah. stuff you know so i'm fine but, finding it out by myself you know my own pace so it's cool this this uh, what you said about uh not not learning all the possibilities of machines that's 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 my uh i have to confess that that's that's really that that was a problem for me basically i mean when when i was doing a lot of gigs <laughs> and also working nine to five job so i had a good income so i was buying a lot of stuff a lot of synthesizers and uh like uh, you know when you when, when you are with modular and and these mono boxes it's you buy a function you buy a sound but when you buy more complex machines then the possibilities are kind of more li there's no limits so uh and you have this 
gear acquisition syndrome going on and you want to buy new <laughs> stuff all the time. Yeah. So you end up with having shitloads of machines that you don't know how to use. Them. Yeah, true. And yeah. I'm, I'm luckily I'm cured from that. And now I'm. <laughs> <laughs> You're cured from that. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. 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 yeah, but yeah in, in, in a sense, it's true. You know, we, 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 uh, have uh, we very often have people here on on the chat who are asking what should i get you know what what should set me up for a new studio what gear do i need mm. and usually um, most people who've been doing this for a while they say just don't buy it too much in one go you know just get one or two machines and get to really know them and learn them inside out and Absolutely. because every every other piece of gear you you get after that is putting the f the first ones you already owned in a different context you know so it's gonna expand the the possibilities of of the stuff you already have and that's also something you have to get used to if yeah. you get a new piece of gear you know it just changes mm -hmm. the whole studio basically if you get into something new it, it might also change your your workflow and therefore discover new th features in gear you already owned and never thought you could use them in a, in, in a certain way and that they are like complementary to each other, I think is really, I mean, for me, it's really important that the stuff that I buy complements each other. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, I used to do this, but I don't do this anymore now. Buy like, oh, there's a new monosynth. Okay, I'm going to buy it. And then you end up with having five or six monosynths. And then, yeah. So like buying stuff that's complementary to each other is, I think, a really important thing to, yeah. 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 Yeah, but it's something that you understand only when you bought, you know. When you've already bought it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you realize, okay, yeah. Yeah, you have to buy the yeah. right things. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you have a good story about that, uh, Andrea? Like uh, buying something and uh, kind of finding out you didn't need it or... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I bought and I sold and... In the end, I decided to like stick to a few things. Like, for example, now I'm focusing on the Octatrack because it's very complex as well. And I decided to unplug everything and just to do everything with it and uh, with the uh, analog rhythm because I want to like set up a live set with only these two machines. Of course, I can use effects and like I'm not mentioning like uh, compressor limiters and stuff that you will always need. <clears throat> but you know, I was uh, for a couple years, I was very much into the Quayman, the Ace One MK2, mm -hmm. and I was really using it for every kind of sound from the hi-hats to the bass, like making almost everything with it. But then I realized that I was going too much into this kind of uh, minimal modular style. So I decided that I was, re I was uh, done with it and I sold. And I want to buy, you know, um, open system, not a semi-modular. So I will, uh, I'm, still making a list of things that I want to buy because now I have the idea of what I need, you know, from the CV to the synthesizer oscillators and envelopes and all this stuff. So, but I mean, I would need a lot of money and now not playing so much is difficult yeah. to afford. The latest, latest thing that I've got into is that I, at some point I had this idea that I, before I'm 50, I want to, build my own synthesizer like plan it by myself like what the circuits are inside and like build it by myself and design it also by myself because i have a background in industrial design uh, and mm. now i've finally taken like the steps for it i show oh wow 
like, like really baby steps so far. <laughs> so I'm getting really nerdy with this. This is ohm synth. Uh, it's like a breadboard thing that you can you can make circuits and uh, like oscillators and uh, well, what not. So what is called? I was called that kind of uh, plug-in connections. Uh, this is breadboard. Okay, breadboard, yeah. I saw also yeah. a kind of modular, you know, a very cheap modular brand is doing mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah, modular. Yeah. Oh, is it like Bustle, Bustle Instruments? They're doing this thing as well with the little pins as well, I think, no? Yeah, I bought uh, it from Bustle, but it's... Uh, it's yeah. That's... Omsent is not... It's sold by Bustle, but it's not by Bustle originally. Uh, it's... Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I, there there are several manufacturers who use who use it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've got I've got this uh, folk tech machine which uses uh, breadboard uh, things yeah. as well. But tell yeah. me, tell tell us about the synth. I'm I'm intrigued. What does it do? Is it monophonic? Is it uh, polyphonic? What does it do? What kind of synthesis or what what kind of uh, idea do you have? What's the ultimate? What what's what is the the final goal for it? What is the yeah. The, the concept for, the, for my my yeah yeah i don't know i haven't designed it yet but it's uh, like now i'm learning the the basic fundamentals i've, I've been doing the this right. d d y d e u d y u y kits for modular for quite a long time mm -hmm. and I know, the, I know the basic basics of you know soldering and stuff but uh, this, this fundamental understanding why why circuit makes a sound what what makes the sound? What why why does when I turn VCF like like a filter cut off? What actually happens there? What why does it filter the sound as it does? Like understanding these basics. That's that's what I'm learning now. Like with and also this testing circuits with this omsynth. It's 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 really fun way to try things out without like getting too technical. But I think at some point I really have to get technical with with that stuff. So yeah, with the routing signal. Yeah, yeah. Modular it makes already sounds now. Yeah, produces some sounds. Uh, I think I have a. Yeah, well, I I can't show that now, and it's it's not doing anything now. But uh, I have made some sounds with that, like super super simple. Like record? You mean you're gonna play recordings of it? I could do that, but uh. <laughs> I, can't find yeah, well, I, I mean, you mean you're teasing I us to it. You're teasing it to us, and I have to come up with something. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to find it out. Some, some no, SK, SK1, Samoli KMP1. <laughs> so, we got, a, we got a question from uh, Monopoly, uh, Dennis from uh, Rotterdam. Uh, is it uh, CMOS based? I don't know what it means, but can you answer that question? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it means? CD4000, does it ring a bell? I don't know. Um, you mean the chip or what? I don't know. It's a question from Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> could you? Yeah, guess not. <laughs> no, no, okay. <laughs> Okay, but in the end, you you really want to build something, and uh, would that would that be like a Eurorack module, or uh, are you planning on buying like a full blown 
synth like to you know with keyboard and shit and everything uh well probably n- not keyboard but maybe something like uh what ms10 is Cork MS-10. Oh, okay it's pretty right. one, one one oscillator filter and that's it's, it's quite simple machine maybe that could be something like that a starting point i don't know i, I it would be good if i figure out something that would be uh like like when I get the enough understanding how how this how it actually works, the the uh, what happens to the actual current that is going through the circuits, like like if I wanted to have a have to do some uh, sorry, uh, um, I have to first figure out what I want it to do. I mm. I wouldn't want to do a, mm. like a car- carbon copy of already something that's already already been done. Yeah, and it's kind of naive now, twenty twenty to think that that everything hasn't been already done it's been done like 10 or 100 times so i don't know let's see what it what i come up with and uh well you know it's like with music i guess you know it's it's, it's something that i like doing so let's see Mm. what what happens but do you like do you plug uh you buy uh, oscillators and filters and stuff and you plug them together or you have to build like the chipset of everything single part to do an oscillator and then to like uh, fix everything that's, to do. That's what, I, that's what I plan to do eventually. That I have enough understanding to build mm. the circuit by myself. Wow! I'll probably use like some some like schematics for oscillator or or filter that's already been done, or modify them if I, for some reason, figure out how to make them better. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I yeah. guess I guess that's it's just, it's very similar to making music. You know, nobody invented music. We're always sort mm. of kind of modifying uh, ideas that are, are already out there into something which uh, which makes it your own. You know, like uh, you 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 use material and you use ideas and then kind of formulate your own voice. You know, try to try to look for your your signature, your voice. And I, I guess the same is true for instrument builders. You know, they have this signature way of uh, yeah. of doing things. You know, that's yeah. why certain brands always have a sound. You know, like Moog is unmistakably mm-hmm. Moog, or Roland is always unmistakably Roland. You know, yeah, as an example, like uh, you know, they have a certain philosophy, a certain signature to the yeah. way they approach things. And this is exactly something that I would really, I don't know. It might take years and years to really understand why, why, why do these machines have their own characteristic sound? Right. What's the reason for that? Yeah, it's an interesting subject, man. Um, and it's, I think yeah. it's very brave that you're taking it on. <laughs> I would never yeah, have the patience I, for I, it. <laughs> I think that I'm really, really a beginner in this, this area. So, so please yeah, don't I mean, ask me any, any technical about circuits. <laughs> I'm just enthusiastic nerd about the whole thing. <laughs> no, it's cool. I mean, um, um, you're already well, de- well deep into into modular, so it's like uh, it, I guess it's the next logical step if you want to get even deeper to just design stuff. Yeah. Yeah. First, I think uh, first, like giving the little finger for it was was buying these kits that you can solder yourself, and uh, then when you attach them to your euro rack and like f- having fingers crossed that the whole row doesn't yeah. blow up yeah that's like really really rewarding yeah i can imagine i can imagine that is yeah yeah 
So has it uh, um, has it changed the way you look at um, at your existing instruments? I mean, once you get into the design part, uh, you know, industrial design or synth design or whatever, then um, I guess it can sort of change your opinion on uh, how other people address certain problems, right? Yeah, and you know, you know, in my in my day job as a as a designer, I'm I'm mostly on UI UX area so user interfaces are quite familiar I'm, I'm familiar how things should work and now if i can combine the, my industrial design background to my music background so it's it's i think there's there might be something in it mm. yeah cool I'm all, in, in general i mean I'm, it fascinates how things work and how people who build these things imagine the whole process how people would use them and uh, like mm. uh, obvious example is 303 like well it wasn't meant to be used as it as it is being used at the moment or since yeah. since the 80s so mm. but isn't that yeah. true for for every instrument i mean yeah. the the thing the, uh, an instrument is is basically a tool that is um, um, sometimes designed to do a certain job or sometimes uh, it's just it's just in the form because it's been in that form traditionally like classical instruments or you know it's been around for for centuries you know in a certain form and they get hard they hardly get modified you know mm. the basic principle yeah. is still the same uh, but it's the people who use them that find new ways of playing the instrument and and Absolutely. use it uh, in in their own way you know and i, I guess that is that is uh, as much true for uh, instruments that have been existing for a long time as well as for instruments that are completely new you know it's if if uh, i think if all four of us get uh, an instrument that we've never played all four of us get the same instrument and we tomorrow we play what we've done with it we've all we would have all done something completely different you know yeah definitely i mean it's true especially for i mean like i think the one of maybe the best known example is like how i mean people have played piano for close to more than a hundred years, like 150 years, the piano like that note that everyone knows, people have just played it, but then people started putting stuff in it. It's something that's been I think around we're for missing a very long something time. Now. People start to use it differently. Yeah, Tim, you your internet like connection or? seems to be uh yeah, you, you're you're chopping, yeah. you're chopping and uh, cutting out a little bit. Oh, wait, <laughs> let me check. Yeah, the the famous mm. Berlin connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was living in Berlin, I was always experiencing problems ah, with connection. So bad, so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe because there are sixty Wi-Fi networks in every place you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, They're competing exactly. for attention, <laughs> and also because there's uh, because the everything goes through the phone lines. We, we don't have fiberglass or anything here, or like everything is DSL. So when everyone's at home at night, yeah, basically, yeah, mm. then it becomes yeah. a nightmare. Netflix time, uh, <laughs> but exactly. You're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, I think this should be the time. Yeah, especially <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're fine now, so yeah. Please yeah. continue. You were we, we were talking about how people use how everyone uses instruments in their own yeah. way, that, and, and then I mean, you I cut think, out. 
I, okay, I think so. Like, I mean, a good example is like people, I mean, the normal way of playing a piano is you just use the keys, but then people like in, let's say like the fifties, I guess people started preparing a piano by putting stuff in it basically, which completely yeah. changes the sounds. I think that's a great example as well of like people can use an instrument or a synth and it's always going to evolve how people use it. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is a example, like well, since fifties and sixties and seventies, uh, like like this composer, composer Luciano Berio, who was doing a lot of kind of, uh, well, not classical stuff, but experimenting stuff, and uh, he wrote pieces for oboe. And uh, my sister, she's actually a professional oboe player, and uh, she played in her years ago in her diploma concert. She played this. Uh, a piece by Luciano Beria for oboe, and it's it's like basically you are misusing the whole instrument. You are over overblowing it and uh, making it sound like comparing to classical music. You make it sound like really fucking awful. But <laughs> it was one of the most mind blowing pieces of music that I've heard. I mean, it was amazing, simply amazing. There's a constant. You actually use. Uh, digital or analog devices as a helper because it has uh, the whole throughout the whole track there's this constant h note playing like one note on the background and then 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 as an instrument you are you are just misusing the whole whole oboe for it yeah and it's simply amazing and it's something you've never heard like absolutely brilliant mm. is there a, can we can we share links on the chat also uh, as guests because this if i tell something like yeah, this yeah you can you can more, just post I, I you can it, just so post in the chat right there. yeah yeah because this is music that everybody should should hear so much old music is yeah is i think that this is less like the kind of approach that uh, always a lot of people have when they are like uh, not uh, studying you know that that kind of uh how to say uh when, when people is not studying something they do things that go out from the academic visions and so mm. they innovate and they do uh, things that the academic approach would not uh, allow or would not even uh concern mm -hmm. Yeah, and you mean like uh, how how kids make a painting, you know, like uh, yeah. <laughs> without a completely unspoiled mind, just uh, just be very intuitive and just do whatever comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the same I, time, I, I think it's also the like the big limit of academic studies, you know. Mm. When, you go to a, when you go to a pian piano player that studied uh, at conservatory, for example, okay. they are a lot of time uh, unable to invent melodies of to create music yeah it depends i mean like there is like if you go to uh in belgium if you go to the conservatory you have the option to study electroacoustical music which i think is i mean it's pretty interesting to to do that so there i think there is options but it's definitely true that once you put all these things in an ap academical structure yeah it becomes less creative and more about reproducing other people's work and not so much about looking for new ways. Yeah, but that's, that's, what, that's what classical uh, musicians are often uh, 
uh, trained for to reproduce existing compositions by other people, right? They are yeah. basically the instrument, you know, they are. Which the, is what I did, actually. Like, yeah. I did, I did so, it in school, so yeah, but it is. So, it, so it's, also based on certain canon that is defined by some people in the 19th hundred. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So it's it's still quite limited piece of what we mm -hmm. consider as Western classical music, and yeah, so so we are missing a lot here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everywhere, a bit differently, but still, yeah. Yes. What I'm wondering about, uh, Tim, is uh, like you told us earlier, uh, you have a, a, um, a sort of you have a trained trained background, yeah. You're a trained mm -hmm. musician. Yeah. So pianist, yeah. Uh, yeah. So so. Um, can you can you put all these things out of your mind when you are uh, making music, or is it is it uh, work? Does it work in in your advantage, or how how do you how do you deal with that? Because um, I'm just wondering if that is somehow restrictive, or does it help in certain situations? Um, it kind of yeah, it kind of depends. Like I mean, I also did jazz piano, so I combined the two. So that, that definitely helps. I think if you just have a classical background, that's, that can be really restrictive because, I mean, the rules for, let's say, like writing a piano sonata, those rules haven't changed for hundreds of years. Those are still the rules. Um, so, but I mean, it helped me in the sense of like, it, it trained my ear into knowing like okay yeah okay these melodies maybe don't work together like it, it goes a lot faster for me but it definitely also doesn't help me when it's like no this is not right like theoretically this is not right but it sounds good but it's mm. not correct so in that way it's maybe restri restrictive and it took me quite a while to actually block that out and and mm. to just do it basically yeah so um, you you can basically you, even though your head says um, it's wrong. You you still go by the guts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mostly, 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 right. mostly. <laughs> I have rel I have relapses. I relapse sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, I was also just uh, today uh, watching catching up on your YouTube uh, channel, uh, Samuli. Uh, I really enjoyed the the jams you do. Uh, especially the longer ones, to be honest. I mean, the short ones are great, but um, uh, the longer ones are, are real, real journeys. Um, yeah. So, since since when have you decided you you're gonna do this? Because is that that's not uh, COVID time only, right? You've you've uh, started earlier. I probably had these ideas of starting uh, starting this whole influencer business in YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, I haven't had really much, that much time for it. And now, I mean, well, we, we are living in strange times. And uh, I think now, like, I'm, I'm most of the week after, after work and uh, family and running. Besides that, I'm pretty much here in the studio all the time. So I'm doing stuff here, trying out, not like, not intentionally making releases or anything like that. Just like mm -hmm. creating stuff and... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is something that I always considered myself when I was younger and uh, I wanted to see how things are done. Like, I was always wondering how Speedy J did the pullover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what kind of equipment he is using for it. And uh, it's like, like, if I would have, if, if YouTube 
would have been back then, that would have been really, really brilliant, but it wasn't. So I think uh, as, a, as a music producer of some level, I feel that it's it's our obligation to pass the knowledge forward. I mean, okay, so okay, well, that's that's a really nice idea. That I didn't know that what was behind it. That it was sort of like an education element uh, baked into it. But uh, I, I just thought I just thought the um, uh, the really nice thing about it uh, is that they are um, they were prepared in some way, but they are also very much improvised and and uh, free form. Which is they something I really like. Absolutely, yeah. totally improvised and uh, yeah. free, free form flow kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's just stuff that I do. I film stuff that I do basically. Mm. But but you see, yeah, I mean, but they are you. You do have a setup going, and you do have a, a patch going or something before you start filming, right? Because yeah, they do yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah, you basic, yeah, yeah. I, I do have. So a, you, yeah, so you sense. basically when make. Up, yeah, yeah. And I get it, get it, get the track that I'm working on to some level, then I feel like okay now. I have enough and the rest I will just freestyle basically. Right. Okay. And that's how the videos are born basically. Yeah, yeah, okay. And do you feel because I, I've been doing a lot of uh, improvisations here on, on the stream uh, as well. Yeah. And um, w yeah, but what I what I what I notice is that um, uh, you can I mean yeah, you can do it with very little preparation as long as you kind of have your head around the the system you're using, you know, the setup of today, basically. Uh, and I do think that it even helps to get something of substance going if 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 you turn it into uh, a performance straight away instead of um, you know instead of just uh, perform to yourself or you know just having it as a rehearsal in the studio or just as a as a noodle around you know once you hit that record button you you tend to look at it from a different perspective and you perform it in a different way yeah Did, is that something you feel as well yeah I, I, yeah the the naughty red button is always it's, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, push the button yeah. <laughs> be like somebody secretly <laughs> you track, and, uh, <laughs> then you end up doing the performance of your life but uh, yeah i know it's uh, this is something that I, that I try to reach when i do stuff that that i that i would have this same uh uh, freedom and uh, kind of uh, I don't give a fuck about anything kind of thing when I'm playing just by myself but immediately with the red button it, it changes and I don't know why it's it's weird same as, I, as, as it's like doing the first first time radio show like 15 years ago uh, I mean you are fine with DJing you are you're good at that and then then when you take the microphone in the radio studio and you start speaking you suddenly you don't have any more voice it's like <laughs> just like you get weird stuff coming out of your mouth and it's I mean why does these things happen I don't know yeah yeah I don't know I, th I, I thought about it myself because uh, I it's it's a thing I noticed you know if you uh, if you know that you are um, uh, that you have an audience maybe uh, even mm. though you can't see them, you know, on a stream, if you if you know it's going to be uh, your only chance, you are, I think, more on high alert at some, you know, in some way because you know it's going to be forever. So 
you know, your perception perception of time even changes a little bit. You know, you're more in the moment and yeah. uh, less distracted. Yeah. You are really fully in in uh, in the performance mode, and um, I think yeah, it's a good way of um, uh, getting shit done. You know, <laughs> because if if you're just noodling around for yourself and with yourself as the only audience member, um, it's easy to get distracted or you know to to, to uh, to be a, a little bit irresponsible or, you know, to do, you know, just fuck around a little bit. And if you know, it's going to be, uh, for a goal or, a, or an, a reason, you know, a result or, a, um, a purpose, then it's less you know, spontaneous. You to, you mean? No, yeah, it's not less spontaneous, but it's, it's, um, you, you're, I don't know. It's more on, uh, it's more high octane. It's my, you know, it's you're on a higher alert, uh, kind of vibe. I don't know. It's, mm -hmm. uh, but I think also this, this you lose this certain spontaneity when when you are when you are like purposely recording stuff for some some purpose. You get this into this kind of safe mode that I uh, have. Really, I don't. I don't. I, I feel I feel completely free, and I, I I'm very happy to fuck it up and to just kind of uh, salvage myself and, uh, to kind of work my, kind of work my way out of uh, bad situations. Maybe this YouTube videos for me is like learning process for getting like so I, that I wouldn't anymore. Yeah, you try to avoid mistakes. You mean? No, 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 no. I mean, mistakes are part of our lives. That's mm -hmm. that's that's what I love about doing stuff with the analog analog machines mm -hmm. and uh, arranging everything live so that I don't edit afterwards. Is that it, there's mistakes and those sounds human. I mean, it's yeah. it's not like like if you open a filter just linear you draw yeah. a line on on, yeah, on it's DAC, just, yeah. it, it sounds like shit yeah basically. yeah yeah it's dead basically it sounds yeah. dead yeah. yeah no but i i i actually uh thrive quite well in situations where i i have no clue uh, how, how i how to get out of you know <laughs> so mm. sometimes I create these circumstances on purpose, you know, just uh, whack something or or just mute something or uh, change the tempo radically or, uh, you know, put things double speed, half speed, whatever. Just uh, just do something radical, you know, just to to see what's left after the demolition and then kind of build it up again, you know, just uh, mm. uh, work your way out of the of the mess. And I and and some beautiful moments sometimes. Uh, uh, uh kind of uh yeah spring out of there which is i which is what it's all about you know improvisation is just to but uh, you always record everything i'm i'm specifically talking yeah yeah of course i i record everything i do it like uh samuli you, know, you do hours and hours of recordings yeah just uh I, like samuli i use the computer mostly as a as a yeah. tape machine you know multi-track it but i i'm specifically talking about uh live performances for ah, okay on, on the streams right yeah, or on the, in these days on the streams, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I you know it's a studio environment. You know, it's not like a, a gig for thousands of people. So, you it's it's fine if you fuck it yeah, up you know, on purpose. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd rather have uh, some element of danger in it than uh, than just a boring thing. You know. So um, anyway, so Andrea, you were you were telling me about uh, you were. Uh, Using the Octatrack and um, the other electron machine to uh, to prepare for a live set, really. That's that's what you were planning to yeah. do, right? Eventually, don't you think? Don't you have a hard time um, 
getting your music translated to those machines or are you actually writing your stuff from scratch there just and to be able no. to perform them later i mean i like to edit a lot of like in the box making the mix of the tracks editing if i have to fix something and uh the approach i'm using because you know when you relate with a machine you always have to think about how it uh, works so i don't want to use it like i was doing in the past i was doing live act with uh, of course machines but the main sequencer was the ableton live so i was like stick to this kind of mentality when i was kind of reproducing the tracks in the most uh, similar way like they were released and i was a bit close in this kind of uh, mindset and i said decided okay i want to go out from my comfort zone so i bought this new machine and what it is coming out is that i'm loading of course samples from my tracks recorded from you know the my modular sessions and everything else and i'm loading it into the octatrack and using it like for starting as a like uh, wave tables or loops or something that can go in a totally different uh, direction mm -hmm. yeah sure but i are you are you writing everything inside those machines with the with the idea that you could later perform the same uh, the same material yeah, I think, I mean, it's not always the same because, you know, sometimes I load a short loop, I like it like it is, and sometimes I load, uh, I change it or make some transition when it becomes very different, you know, with uh, the tuning or playing other parts or just using a small part and resampling it. So, yeah, it's not always the same. Sometimes I use play pieces like they like they are and sometimes becomes everything else but to be honest i could totally make a live only with analog rhythm for example it has like 12 channels and can do so many things that i was like having sometimes bringing on the stage too much stuff and when you are alone you realize i <laughs> When you're yeah. in the studio, you always say, okay, I want this, 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 and this. Yeah. Then you're on stage and you use like two things. Yeah. So yeah. you don't have the, the minds of free. 50 kilos. I used to travel with 50 <laughs> kilos of gear. That was fucking I think, insane. I think Voiski <laughs> did, uh, did a live set like in Bergheim uh, yeah, last year. Um, where he only used uh, the alpha base, the Yomox alpha base, only that yeah. for like two hours yeah. and a half, two yeah. hours and a half. Yeah, yeah, especially for techno in the end, you know, you don't yeah, have to yeah. do that. Yeah, so I suppose it's, I suppose it's possible. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's uh, if you're prepared. Yeah, I mean, a couple effects and it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you said, Andre, and this 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 has always been a difficult for me when because I was doing a lot of live shows and well. Well, working with machines only is like it's it's impossible to get get them with you while traveling abroad. Yeah. So the, it was always kind of a compromise. Here in the studio, I can do stuff what I want to do, but like figuring out what is the ideal way of writing music for lives. That I, I don't want it to be any different from from the way I work in the studio on on on, on normal stuff yeah. that I do. So, uh, for me, it, it took some years, but uh, finally I made this really compact 
set up for live sets and uh, I went back back to Ableton so I was recording stuff for it and uh, yeah it was all right but it's not as much fun I would say yeah that's the a, point yeah I mean mm. un unless you you know plug a very mm, big control with a big MIDI controller where you or set up everything into Ableton so you can still mm. mess with stuff but I was think I was also feeling that I was not having so much fun. I mean, yeah, of course. In the end, when you're doing live set, you realize that maybe you bring a machine to make only two sounds on one track, and yeah. then it's not a fort. Uh, so yeah, I think that it's the, the 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 most important thing is for me now is to keep it the most gem possible, control the gem. Mm. Like when you do, you know what mm. you are doing, but you can still mess around. Mm. I don't really mind if the if a live setup is not uh, as versatile as a studio setup because um, I think what's more important is the the flexibility you can achieve with with a, a small amount of gear, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because um, I mean the uh, yeah, like you said, Andrea, it doesn't really make sense to bring one box that just does one sound in one track. You know, yeah. uh, it does it. You might as well just sample it or or find find another another sound, and then again, um, I don't think of live performances as something that should replicate uh, music that you've already done. I think uh, the the beauty of a live performance is that you are, you know, sort of making it up on the go and uh, out of nothing. You yeah, know? this is the, you know so, the approach that they have people when you go to live show in the band. Uh, concept when the people yeah. go there to hear yeah. the track. sing along the, the song track the, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but with with uh, maybe you know two or three pieces of gear with with enough parameters that you which yeah, allow, allow you to to have a wide range of variations uh, is probably enough to to play yeah. a really solid two hour set. You know, so I think you know, that that's the way I approach uh, hardware live sets. You know, it's a very small. Uh, you know, collection of stuff, but with very large uh, uh, parameter ranges. So you could uh, go which gear? Which gear you selected for your live set? Um, well, usually it's the nine or nine, and then uh, split split out the the instruments going through different things, uh, and you know, one hundred one and uh, some filters, some you know, like little pedals and you know, compressors, mm -hmm. filters, stuff like that. And uh, sometimes I use an, another thing that does poly stuff, or you know, something in the in the range of the, in that range, you know, sort of longer sounds, like not monosynth sounds, but yeah. something else. And that's usually it. And it varies from time to time. You know, sometimes it's uh, uh, I don't know, it changes all the time. It's just whatever. No samplers. Uh, sometimes the octa track, but that's just doing sort of background noises and okay. uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, d I mean, I love the Octatrack, but it's it's more like um, I mean, the action for me with with uh, uh, live shows is more on the mixer and mm. on on uh, you know changing parameters on synths and filters rather than on muting and unmuting stuff or um, um, you know. And whatever I do is always in step right mode, so I I never even have patterns going before I I start. It's just all done on the fly. Um, so, but it works, you know. It can, you know, simple things can go go a long way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you are alone, you always have to pre-imagine uh, the most 
things possible because I mean when you are there you have to think about one two things well that's the thing you have to yeah the setup needs to be as flexible flexible enough to uh, yeah. so you, you that you have uh, that you have this this wide range of possibilities but it has to be simple enough in order to be completely uh, free of any thinking and can just be intuitive with with the setup you know because yeah. it's all about intuition if you if you are you have also, uh, if also you stand to relate the, with the lack of light <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly lack of light and, uh, and and crazy people running around uh, yeah cocktails <laughs> yeah <laughs> Go with your drinks people with drinks <laughs> <laughs> what's that machine <laughs> no but it's um you know it's it's a careful balance between uh between the flexibility and um uh, n simple enough to not have to think too much, you know, just so you can just be intuitive and just play, basically. I think yeah. uh, this this uh, if you, if you limit things like like machine wise, if you if you have a really limited setup, that's that's when the creativity starts to kick in. Yeah, like for example, this this uh, uh, less is more. Absolutely, and also like 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 if you are pushed to the corner, yeah. that, that's that, that's when really. Start, the creative things start to happen in, in your brain, I think. Yeah. And also, yeah. yeah. And also, the the limitations are kind of a. Uh, it 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 brings this rawness into what you do also. So because here in the studio you can choose any fucking sound you want, yeah. and still it not might be the right one. Mm. Mm. So I. I, I that's also probably the reason why it, I switched from uh, working with Logic and uh, DAV only to using analog machines. That the the endless possibilities of sounds with 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 Ableton or Logic Audio, it's just like you end up in like drinking beer and listening to. So these machines is the, is is the great thing that uh, once you know what you are buying to your studio then then you know you you buy a you buy a sound you buy a function and what is the, with these machines it, they do this one thing and they do it well so mm -hmm. that's, that's that's what i love about it. also there's it, because this same idea about limitations is that yeah. also in but i mean also another another big aspect that i mean i started realizing only after i played like a few lives that that was that when i was in the studio preparing my live act for example i was you know uh, having a comfort a good um audio with the speakers with the headphones like queuing everything it was like a studio approach and there was ah, okay like i had every track had seven eight nine channel then i went to the live performing and i was like unmuting a lot of stuff I was going like two three stuff because the the room was sounding totally different it was enough on even only one kick drum so yeah yeah i mean yeah like a lot of people forget like if you sometimes like you can obsess so much in your mix down about like one little thing no one is going to hear it anyway yeah like yeah. 99% <laughs> of the time like, I, mean. I mean like having six or seven hi-hats on top of yeah. each other yeah yeah <laughs> that's the stupidest idea ever that's yeah. not cardinal scene that's what I always do and then I figure out why does this sound so bad but yeah yeah more is more and even more is even more <laughs> <laughs> no it's true though but, but that's one thing that l playing live teaches you um 
you know, yeah. the, the, everything gets blown up to such big proportions that um, the purer the sounds and the less affected they are, uh, yeah. the less produced in a way they are, the more hitting, the, more, the harder they're going to hit and the more pure, they're mm. pure and big they're going to sound, you know? That's why um, I every week make a volume because, I mean, yeah. Or you make yeah. sound and you have a pen and that's it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's uh, it's something that you did that is um, uh, you can easily get um, obsessed by in the studio if you're um, making something and you think, yeah, I just need to have you know have this little cut at uh, 75 dB and a little bit there and there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm you know these days I completely I'm more about the broad strokes, you know, and and if that doesn't get me there, I just I'll bin it in the next one. Yeah, you know? of course. <laughs> I mean, you still have to feel free on the live act when you do like a sound check to be able to cut up what you don't like. And I mean, you have to keep it in mind when you go to do the lives at, at a certain point. Because if there are, if the room, for example, I was playing once in Milan and there was this big, big room when like my kick drum was maybe I uh, was very low in frequencies, but was very short in my in my studio. I was sounding good, like was maybe five fifty four milliseconds. You know the decay that so was quite short, and was playing there and looked like was super long. So I said, "Fuck," because there was a lot of reverb. So yeah, that's also one thing. This now this is jumping to totally different subject, but uh, as you said, Andrea, this. Uh, uh, when I get these uh, promos of uh, tracks that are trying to be like this big room, yeah, that tons of reverb, and then when yeah. you actually play them in in a room that reverberates itself, yeah, yeah, it sounds like mm. shit. Yeah, of course, more, yeah, more clean you, mix you yeah. have. Better Suggestion for newcomers. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also it's also to do with how. I mean, I think a big part of it is it like a lot of people, I don't know what they ask their mastering engineers, but when you get a promo and it's just like a block, basically, mm -hmm. yeah, Every, yeah, yeah. everything gets pushed so hard. And I'm like, yeah. if you play this in a club, it's going to blow up the system. I mean, mm. unless the, the sound treatment and everything is absolutely perfect, like it's, it's never going to work. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's like a trend I hope passes soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think for, it's for this is good, uh, Joachim Studio, because he has like this kind of club experience, you know, when you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. There, they are studio speakers, but there is there is a massive sub, uh, 21 inch, and it, it does give the... 21. The, yeah, it does, it does give the bottom uh, a little bit of a shake <laughs> that you don't get from uh, near fields, but... But it's it's it is accurate, you know. So if it's if the bass isn't there, it's not playing the bass. You know what I mean? So it's just to yeah. um, just to double check whatever is going on in that sort of lower octave. Um, but yeah, it's like um, uh, it's it's like you said, promos or any any record you get. You know, some people want to make it sound very very loud and yeah. very uh, 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 and then you get like long extended decays and shitloads of reverbs, and it yeah. only makes it so sound less punchy yeah you know it's good because only in your headphones exactly yeah. it sounds great yeah. on your ipod but it's uh um you know it it sounds terrible in the club because all you hear is just one big big tone Reverb. of bass yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the whole punch is gone yeah. you know like this kind of stuff this kind of yeah. stuff that was going on uh, during i mean a few months ago the 8d sound 
Did you hear about it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was going a lot of these people. Oh, I hate these sounds. It's these sounds. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you know a, a little about sound design, you know that it doesn't exist in any 80 sound. Just uh, like well, fun. It, it doesn't even exist in this universe, AD. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a pan pot on the headphones, reverb and stuff. And Yeah, oh, wow, it's like... Yeah. And some face, face fucking, and everything. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a really cool technique, but I haven't really. F I mean, if people f do, uh, I I haven't seen any good examples of of people using it in a in an interesting way. Oh yes, I did actually. Uh, Max Cooper did an album with uh, with ah, this yeah? technology. It's actually called 4D Sound, by the way, not AD. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's here in yeah. Berlin. They have it in Berlin. They have this thing. Uh, the place is called Monom, and yeah. um, it's basically yeah, but like that's, it's a sound but, system. It's a specific sound system. Yeah, the four design. Yeah, yeah, but that's, know that is yeah. actually, but that's an actual multi-channel system. I'm, what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about is the the 4D technology, which is basically an algorithm that fucks with your um, spatial yeah. uh, right. parameters. He did that. And it, he did that. It in, is just. In, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Some years ago in ADE, I think Peter van Hoysen was doing a set for that in ADE. Like. Yeah, that the, was the 4D same yeah. for, for something like is that is it that one? Yeah. Yeah, the 4D sound system. Yeah, sorry, go on about that. I mean, but that's that's the it's not the same technology because that actually has multiple um, you know, it has uh, 16 columns I think, 16 yeah. or maybe even more yeah. of speakers that all pointing towards you and you can um you can basically move the sound along an axis and it's actually you know, with uh with these multiple speakers it's actually uh, yeah, changing the, the position, of, you know, surround, you know, like yeah, it's around sound, yeah. I think uh, Mark Cooper did this. Um, this was in collaboration with, I think Dolby. Even I can check if you that, that was Dolby, yeah. Okay, my girlfriend did the press for that, so <laughs> just checking oh, yeah. those. Yeah, was it Dolby or something? Yeah, but I think okay. I think um, yeah, he I think we're talking about the the same thing. He, he's done he's done a performance yeah. on that, but he also released um, uh, a recording with okay. uh, this. I think you know I might change my mind again. Maybe the technology is called AD. I don't know, but anyway, it's this spatial sound uh, technology that he uh, applied to his music to make it sound more spacious. It does it does work really well, mm -hmm. especially on headphones. It sounds great. Yeah, but I think uh, it, that doesn't have that big application in music. That was I was thinking about. I mean, yeah, it, mm. I can I can see um, uh, making a sense with uh, maybe of course mu movies, or yeah. I mean, when you hear music in the headphones with this eight D sound, it's like if you are in a real environment with mm. the reverbs and stuff. But I mean, we can always put reverb on tracks and. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's gone. Is Peter anyway going to listen to the music through the crappy laptop speakers or through their mobile phone without any headphones? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the cool, the cool thing about the, the 4D uh, setup is that the, they created the space uh, and there is, there is the, the, the location where you can actually hear uh, the music yeah. that was created for that space, you know, and it's not possible to replicate it in on any other system, in any other environment. So, 
it is like a local thing, you know. You go there and you experience yeah. the music on that sound system, which yeah. is great. I mean, that's that's there's nothing against yeah. that. I, I I love it. I'd love to do something on 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 that system sometime. But um, I think what you are talking about, Andrea, is to uh, have spatial information in in music, where which is which cannot be. Uh, played in a special environment, but just on headphones or on speakers at home, and there you get the most worst, mo the most terrible translation of whatever the artist has prepared, uh, because nobody mm. is listening in the same uh, on the same system or the same environment. Yeah. You know, so it, it, there's no way. I I mean, I've done the 5.1 only uh, DVD, sort of very self-indulgent sound design -y kind of thing. <laughs> And <laughs> and uh, only to find out that it was uh, very hard to do and had very little actual effect on how people listened to it because most people just played the stereo track and then you know the whole effect, <laughs> yeah. the whole effect got lost. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I did do some screenings though and some uh, some some performances with where we had to transform the whole room, you know, to kind of sort of mimic the five cards setup. Yeah. And and in those environments it worked, but. The, you know the other problem with 5.1 or multi-channel audio in in general is there is a sweet spot, and mm. if you're not there, uh, you don't, you hear don't it. fully. Well, mm. yeah, not not yeah. not the way it was intended. Yeah. And with with stereo, you're basically uh, suggesting space space, but it's really just a uh, you know one-dimensional. It's like from mm. you know the access between the speakers is the space you're working in. Mm -hmm. As soon as you add another speaker, you get a space, you get a third uh, location, and then you get like a the space between the speakers that also plays a role and that's a, a totally different way of dealing with sounds you know um but it's 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 the thing that is just um the lack of uh, uh common playback systems is is making the spatial sound or multi-channel sound a very difficult medium to work in yeah also this that that um, once you play something that is being recorded to some media you played on on another environment and uh, you have a you have a space where you play it also the space reverberates itself so this always when when you have yeah. these fabricated spaces in the sound that has been recorded then yeah. it, it has conflict with the actual real space absolutely yeah, yeah. That, that's why why well even mono or stereo at maximum in in clubs yeah absolutely enough yeah mm. That's a good yes. point. Yeah, because you're mixing you're mixing spaces really. You're mixing yeah. the actual the listening yeah. space and the space created in the recording. Yeah, it's a good That's point. That's what reverb is. It, it's it's the sound reverberating in a space. Mm -hmm. So, the, I, this is something that I wish I would yeah. have known much better. When I mean, I started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree so with with uh, what also also Mike is saying. You know. A lot of clubs don't even have a stereo club, uh, proper stereo sound system. I mean, yeah. I, I know a lot of techno producers that were doing music in mono because they said, yeah, what the fuck do you need? You make music in stereo when all the speakers in the clubs are set up in mono. What? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. to deal with it. Yeah. Phase cancellation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you're, I mean, nobody is i mean just a few people are standing in a sweet spot in in a performance environment mm. or in a club you know so it's uh, yeah. it makes sense to uh, to keep things simple as, as far as stereo field for sure i mean you yeah. always have to check the mono compatibility with your trucks mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah <clears throat> yeah i mean i think there's just yeah there's not enough 
clubs that actually invest in also setting the sound. I mean, they might have good speakers, but then the setup is complete shit. Basically, I think that's that's the main problem with a lot of clubs that yeah. they just yeah. I mean, or like they because they have such strict. I mean, this happens in Belgium actually quite a lot. Clubs have really strict uh, sound restrictions in terms of dB they can push. Because they have a meter, if they go over that meter, they get a fine. If they do it the second time, they get a bigger fine. So what they do, they just limit the fuck out of everything, which is not the solution, obviously. But instead of telling the people playing, maybe don't like go over this because else we have to play a fine. They don't trust people, so they limit everything, mm. yeah. which is a nightmare, basically, for... yeah. What don't trust the, the DJ. <laughs> what is the Belgium? It depends on the size of your club, basically. Um, but like, let's say smaller clubs, they can go until 95. Big clubs, 100. And like, that's like peaks. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like if you have a club like Fuse, for instance, in Brussels, <clears throat> they I think they can do 100. Um, maybe a little bit more, but not, not that much. It's like, yeah. yeah. If it's full, like they can, like the main room, holds maybe a thousand people yeah <laughs> it's you don't like, hear anything. yeah you don't hear anything it's also pretty frustrating if you're playing as well because you hear people talking constantly yeah. and yeah. it's really yeah it's not nice it's not a nice environment to to play in actually and i mean also, i did sorry go also on. when when you combine that to the uh, lack of proper understanding of sound systems and how it's calibrated to a space to a club space mm -hmm. then you you end up having a shit loud music that isn't actually loud but it's hurting hurting yeah. your ears mm -hmm. and uh, it sounds still mm -hmm. kind of too low but when you mm -hmm. have like places with 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 like really good sound engineers they can they can make 100 decibels sound really loud really loud mm -hmm. yeah that's beautiful well yeah. not, not I mean, really loud but loud enough that loud you can enough, do you guys as a DJs or performers, I mean, remember about clubs where in good or bad clubs where it was sounding very good or was sounding very bad? Because I can remember like a lot of clubs when I was lucky to play when it was sounding very good and a few that was sounding very bad. But it is happened to you very often because, I mean, I played very few gigs compared to Joachim and... Uh, and Samuli, I mean, that happened a lot of time that you go there and you say, ah, it's not sounding good, the room. Mm. Uh, well, one thing I can say is that there's no place sounds the same, you know? I mean, you, yeah. the, the thing is, uh, and I, I also don't think uh, loudness has to do with how enjoyable uh, the music is, you know? It just all depends on the space, how people move in, inside the room and... Um, you know where where the focus of the sound is you know i mean uh you know it also depends on acoustics you know it's, sometimes it seems very loud but it's just the room screaming reverb it at you you know yeah. um i don't know it's the sound it in that way it's it's totally complicated but i always try to to figure out the sound in the first um 15 minutes while i'm playing mm. and i usually turn my monitors down um, almost yeah. all the way and just just listen to how the um, the sound system in the room responds to what I'm doing, 
you know, because if sometimes, you know, you get to a club and everything sounds really dynamic and it's not compressed or limited and everything you do is actually uh, translating to the room. But sometimes you, f you find out that, um, for example, if they have a hard limiter on there and yeah. uh, you, you drop some, you drop the bass and all of a sudden the sound disappears in the room. I would like to know about these things, you know, when I'm playing, <laughs> so I'm just not <laughs> yeah. leaving, I, I'm not leaving that up to, uh, uh, to chance, you know, so. I usually do that kind of, uh, if, if I don't have time to sound check, you know, then, then yeah. I do that. You know, I just first, you know, 15 minutes is always just see what the sound system does. And then sometimes I bring up the monitors a little bit just to, to have the direct transients, um, you know, closer, but I always, there's always a mix between whatever the monitors or my headphones are doing and the sound in the room, because I just like to hear the acoustics, you know, I, I play actually, actually play with that. You, you, I play differently when uh, when the acoustics are are in a certain way, you know, if they behave in a certain way, with, for example, the high frequencies or, you know, some some rooms they really smear everything, which is in the, in the high range, and other other rooms they are very clear and punchy in the highs and and yeah. smear everything in the low end. So it's it's like, um, um, yeah, I mean, it's something that I play with. And, and I also um, um, select my, my material based on the knowledge that I, I find out during playing. So I, sometimes I think, well, I shouldn't, I better not play this record because I know it's going to be a disaster, you know, it's going to yeah. sound yeah, yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, even though you could drop it uh, just for effect or something, but, you know, because people recognize it or whatever. But, um, yeah. you know, sonically, it just doesn't make sense at that moment. And then I just stay away from it. Um, Anyway, yeah. But do you That's like, for example, when you play in clubs that have like a treated room, like uh, like it was, uh, for example, Trau or this kind of clubs where they have phono 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 stuff in the, the reduced reverb, like you are in the studio. Uh, I, to be honest, I I if I had to choose, I I mean, I like I like acoustics. I like uh, I like if a room isn't dead, you know. I I think dead rooms are very tiring and very draining, uh, energy draining, you know. Because um, also, sound system in dry rooms tend to um, you know tend to be played louder because it's their perception is uh, that it's not that loud because you don't get mm -hmm. the tails of the reverb and yeah. stuff and it becomes like really fatiguing at some point. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind the reverb, you know, it's just, that's just what it is. Uh, <laughs> you have to work with it and, you know, too much is not good, you know, but um, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind reverb. I, I would say that I prefer more wet rooms than, than dry rooms. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same goes for studios as, as well. You know, I'm, I'm, my studio is, uh, it sounds great, but it's not scientifically dead or anything. You know, there is a bit of a tail of, of some, some stuff going on. Yeah. And I, I know that, but it's pleasant, you know, it's, it's less tiring to my ears anyway. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I played like a few clubs where they have the, the room was treated and I felt the same things you said, like, uh, you, you feel like it's, you are playing very low volume. Because yeah. everything is so yeah. defined, and I mean, the decibel in the end is that, and then the, the the perception is very different. I mean, I like it, but it's not involving like if you are if you have the room from the the, the reverb from the room. Mm. Yeah, and now everything feels a lot more like like confined basically, and that's maybe the tiring effect you have yeah. as well. Everything feels really like close and upfront. 
Mm. Uh, and Jochen, that's maybe the, the thing you said that it's tiring to be in a dead room and play really loud music for a, an extended period of time. Yeah, for some reason I like the the, the smearing of the sound. <laughs> I quite I quite enjoy that. You know, everything sounds a bit more uh, rock and roll or a bit more uh, gutsy. You know, and you yeah. can be more you can be more messy with mixing as well and, and with uh, with levels. If if things are smeared yeah. out, you can you can be more rough with. Uh, you know, with uh, dropping things or just do radical EQing and stuff like that, you know? I like yeah. it. It's more punky. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is asking if we tune the kick when you do live sets, but I think Yeah, not. that was a good I mean, question. For me, not. Because then all the all the sounds in the tracks are tuned with the kicks. <laughs> if I tune the kick out, then I fuck yeah. everything up. <laughs> I mean, when I produce in the studio, of course. But I mean, he said that he was tuning it when he's producing music. So, of course. But this can be like compromising because when the tuning of the room is always dead, then you tune everything on the same scale. Mm. Well, for me, doing mostly more atonal kind of music than... than when I was traveling with gear and doing live sets with that, then then tuning the kick drum to a space, if I had a like really proper good sound check, then yeah, of course mm. I, I made it sound as it should sound in the space. But I, it's, it was more about I think the mixing or not not necessarily the tuning of the kick. Yeah. When when I moved to more compact setup on doing live sets, then not not. I mean I have mm. really nice monitors here in the studio, so so if I these are really truthful so to say so if i made it made made the mix really clean here then it should be quite okay in in most of the cases where i play it so what what monitors are you using of course genelex okay cool which Finish. ones uh, these are <laughs> 80 30. i had the new no 80 8 40. 50 i think Ah, okay. Yeah. They are nice. They sound good. Cool. Um, yeah, tuning kicks. I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, if tuning means just making it sound good for a sound system, yes, I I do. You know, but I mean, I I use a nine hundred nine, <laughs> so there's nothing really much to do <laughs> on a nine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it's a really good uh, thing for like using some kind of reference thing, no matter mm -hmm. what it is that as that you have used for a long time. For for me, it's uh, HD twenty five headphones. Mm -hmm. I know how things mm -hmm. sound with them, so if I can, I always check my mixes with with that those because it's. I know how how certain club tracks sound with them. Yeah, I can reference from from that. So it's yeah, yeah. I mean, that, there's this whole discussion about monitors. I had this uh, chat this afternoon as well with uh, masterclass uh, people. I mean, um, if you're on a budget, don't don't get uh, uh, you know, uh, don't panic if you don't have the budget for expensive monitors. The best mm -hmm. thing you can do is just to have one set of. Uh, near fields or or uh, or a pair of headphones that you know really well and yeah. and you can trust you know that's probably way more valuable than than buying expensive speakers that are big for your room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and, and to be so, honest, when when I when I got the again like eight 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 thousand fifty uh, speakers, when I upgraded to these, it took me like a year to learn them like really well. How 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 does mm. it sound like? 
because it's yeah, yeah because then you have outfits to consider also the room how it sounds oh. yeah yeah yeah. Mm. yeah definitely yeah changing to new monitors is like something that will yeah take you a couple of months yeah, or a year in, yeah yep. until you know them again i mean i've been on the same monitors for eight or nine years now and i know them really well and i'm a bit afraid to upgrade them or to yeah, buy me too. because i'm like <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah 20 years here man i'm still using the same ones for 20 years which ones are yeah. you guys using uh pmcs the the pmc mb2 i mean the the i've got a big room so they they actually work yeah. here i've mm -hmm. had them in in slightly smaller rooms but to be honest uh, this is the first time they really uh come to life um and also because here i can play unlimited unlimited uh, levels you know so it's um it's cool but mm. yeah they i'm i'm just very used to them and they're, they're the good thing is about these um you can you can work on them uh for a long 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 time just uh, improvising you know doing sound design work you, i work with them on the whole day and they never fatigue me or they never bore me because the you know they basically reach throughout the whole room so you know i'm i'm very rarely just uh, in front of the like on the mixing position i'm usually way behind them or not behind them but like way out in front mm. um and they still sound very pleasant and they tell to give me the, the right picture but if it comes to mixing they're very really accurate in for that job as well so they they serve uh, a purpose as both listening and creation speakers as well as um, checking your um, um, final mix you know which is which is great they're like all purpose yeah. <laughs> yeah it's important i think to have a pleasant sound in your room you know it's really helpful with uh, mm -hmm. feeling feeling nice feeling feeling in a good mood to uh, to create yeah, because if you have monitors that hurt your ears because they're either too big for your room or they don't work in your room, yeah. it's also not, it's not going to make you creative. It's not going to give you any joy in making music, basically, because it will be, yeah. <clears throat> will be a task to actually make music. Or if you can't mix on them on really low volumes or something like that, like I think that's all things you have to consider. Yeah. When, yeah, they're just they're just they just should should be sound, and uh, the speaker shouldn't even be an issue. You shouldn't even be thinking about your speakers. That should there should just be sound in your room, and it should be pleasant, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think the best. I mean, this is also something you see on, like the obsession of people, like hi-fi people. They're obsessed with speakers that like aren't in the room. If that makes sense, like people want if they listen to music that the speakers kind of disappear in a mm -hmm. way so that you're just listening to the music and you're not being like, Oh yeah, this is su such a great speaker. That shouldn't even be the case. The speaker should just be something that transfer the sound to you and not yeah. really. Yeah. Well, this, this whole hi-fi thing as a hobby for middle age <laughs> plus men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. There's <laughs> jokes ever. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's this uh, in Finland. There's once a year. There's this uh, uh, hi-fi fair thing that you have these different uh, manufacturers having their showrooms, and you have people listening to Toto. They're like, <laughs> like, and sucking their gums. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, pretty good. And you, then you have like cables worth of thousands of yeah it's crazy <laughs> and they all play the, and, they, and they all play the same music they all exactly. play the same music 
always the same. Always. It's always like yeah. if you go through a YouTube, just look on YouTube, look at like hi-fi show videos. It's always the same music. Or it's like yeah. a Nora Jones track or like a Toto <laughs> Africa. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so expensive. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're looking at, I was like, oh, these look nice, and, I, and then I look up the price, and it's like fifty thousand euro. I'm like, why? And it's like, yeah, because we use like neodymium magnets and encased yeah. in gold, and like, I'm like, come on, like. <laughs> the the most expensive ones that I've seen on this uh, this uh, hi-fi fair exhibitions was like pair of speakers, one hundred eighty thousand euros. Just the speakers, Crazy, then yeah. of course the the amplifiers, <laughs> everything on top of that. Like, like for who and why? <laughs> because people pay yeah. for it, you know. Yeah. I think that's the you know that's the reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw I saw someone post this. Uh, this was this was a, I saw someone posted like a thousand euro Ethernet cable. I saw that like a couple of months ago, that a company brought up a thousand euro thousand dollar ethernet cable why why it's an ethernet cable it's not going to change anything <laughs> it's a digital <laughs> single just going like it's like uh, yeah and people buy you, it yeah. you guys know the the fact that uh if you have a uh, wooden panels on side of synthesizer it makes it sound much better, much yeah. better. <laughs> how, do you, how do you do this with cable how do you add uh like wooden uh, wooden panels so, on the cable. Yeah. <laughs> you need to <laughs> one part I, because I saw it on this same same exhibition that you have this uh, like a block of wood and the cable runs through it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's really insane. I mean, obviously, I mean, clearly there is a market for it because all these uh, hi-fi fairs wouldn't exist, or like the whole industry wouldn't exist. You can buy a hi-fi dollar table. Jesus Christ! <laughs> wow, yeah. crazy. We're in the wrong business, guys. We should yeah, be selling. Clearly, uh, yeah. <laughs> we should be selling a thousand euro cables. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> But I, one more thing about this, uh, uh, years and years ago, I was doing uh, this industrial design case for this one uh, audio company. And uh, we had a lot of this material like these hi-fi magazines and uh, that we were like going through and like doing some research stuff. And um, I kid you not, there was this compression of, of, of audio cables, like 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 people same like as from like people taste wines and then they make comparisons but this was with cables and sounds and they were like honestly adult people telling that <laughs> this cable sounds different than the, that other cable that's mm. like well i mean there is obviously there is a difference between like uh, the cheapest off the shelf uh connector yeah, and cable yeah, and, yeah. and the length then the length of it and rope it's different but i mean yeah no, but I mean, there is a limit to it. I mean, once you get into, you know, once you have like uh, proper cables, every every thousand euro extra is just going to make, uh, you know, the the tiniest difference. You know, you pay for for the the last, uh, um, you know, not even a percentage, but like the millionth of a percentage in in quality, or you know, I don't know. It's uh, 
uh, I mean, if 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 that's your obsession, it's cool, right? I mean, yeah, but, but um, it, good it luck. Wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like testing a like like a wet rope and a golden cable and mm -hmm. seeing the difference. Yeah, yeah. These were like these these were all like high fidelity. Oh, uh, right. Oh, okay, okay, right. And okay. they were doing like a test sounding. Uh, what's the difference? How how this sound more round? Right. <sighs> I mean, there is well, a guy, yeah. there is a guy in, in uh, there's also this is also like a, a like a mini documentary about uh, this uh, pensioner in Japan, and he installed he had a an, uh, his own uh, access to the electrical network installed in front of his house, so he wasn't on a general net because he believed that the the power coming into his house was more pure than. And then mm -hmm. the the sound was so much better, basically. So he built an entire yeah, power central <laughs> in front of his house. Well, you know, it's it's so in some of these cases you are clearly going into the in into woo woo territory. You know, like it's yeah. just imagine. It, I mean, I I can ex I can imagine that the people who are sort of noticing these differences are are tricked by their own minds. You know, they they're mm. um, you know they want to hear it, so it's there. It's such a such a if mm. un scientific area i don't i don't know it's if you could yeah. measure it of course you could you could see the difference but if if it's just yeah. what your perception is then i think it's like a placebo effect yeah yeah, yeah something like that yeah yeah it reminds me of a story when when uh, i was making music with a friend and we had this label boss guy come in and who always wanted to change something about the about the sound you know and we, we were always like oh fuck no I, here he is again with his <laughs> you know, his, ex, his expertise. And, and I, so, I, I trust you, he never had any clue of what he was saying. No, no, no. But he, you know, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names, but I mean, the, at some point he said, yeah, it needs more bass and more this and more that, you know. So basically we said, okay, well, here's the mixer, you know, you just, this is the bass and this is the treble and you have a go. And then uh, and we didn't know, but we, we bypassed all the EQs and, was like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he, was, he was like, yeah, did you hear it? This is much better. You know? <laughs> so, so, this, <laughs> so it's, it's, this is a similar thing, you know, like if, if you really want to hear it, you'll hear it. You'll you know? hear it's it, like, yeah. it's, in, great, it's yeah. in your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Question no. from Senna. From YouTube, what are your overexpensive vices in terms of, in terms of gear? Okay, anybody uh, pay too much for something that is useless? <laughs> uh, no, not really. I mean, yeah, I I, tine, I I tend to think my purchases overthink my purchases usually <laughs> when mm. it comes to studio uh, gear. So not that much. I mean, yeah, buying records, obviously. Yeah, maybe that's that's the. If that falls under gear as well, um, but it's not, it's usually not even stuff I play out. Uh, like uh, when I when I was nineteen, I worked in a record store, and then my boss at the time um, got me hooked on like like avant garde music and Fluxus music and stuff like that. And I yeah, that's something that I I'll buy from time to time. That's a bit too expensive, but for studio gear, not that much me. 
No, me neither. Actually, I've, I don't really have any. I mean, I'm. Uh, you have a lot uh, of stuff. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, th there's there. I'm not obsessed with it, you know. I I love it, but I'm I I don't. I'm not. Co I'm not a collector, you know. It's uh, yeah. everything I've got is is used in some way. And do point. you still have the system 100 plugged? Not at the moment, but it's uh, uh, it's been here. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's it's used all the time. But um, uh, I think the only reason why it sometimes doesn't get used is because it's so bulky and it, it takes up half the yeah. the table here, you yeah. know? Um, but it's still it's still uh, yeah it's one of these machines if you if you turn it on and you hear it yeah. you, you start playing it it's like my god what a weight you know it's uh, it really demands respect or uh, you know yeah. <laughs> it's like and one of you these have also the the synth you know yeah yeah but are you are using it um, yeah yeah you synth gets used all the time yeah yeah wow. I mean it's I mean you know these these especially the synthy is so versatile you know and um a lot of people that come here um they don't own one and the first thing they want to do is try the synthy and <laughs> and the cool the cool thing is um whoever touches it comes up comes up with something completely different and i hear yeah. other people i've i've had this machine for 25 years i've bought it when they are actually still very cheap you know cool. um but um um to see how in all those years it still surprises me what can be done with that machine you know it's just crazy it's so versatile it's insane mm. um and sometimes you, you i mean you can make it sound obviously like a synthy you know if especially if you use the reverb and the filter and stuff um but uh but there are also patches possible which which make it sound like something you wouldn't never guess that it is that it is it's a synthy you know so yeah. can make it sound really glitchy and stuff as well it's crazy it's a really beautiful machine uh but it's usually it's, that's you know just for experimental stuff um it's a fun box to just play around with <laughs> amazing so there is not anything that you if you think about you are not using so no. much not really no i mean so i mean i i never use everything at the same time that's just not yeah that's course. just not possible so you know I've, as i've told many times here i did there's you know there's uh, this table in the middle of the room and for every project i build a new setup and uh some stuff you know is on the shelf for a year without it without being used and then all of a sudden you walk past and you think oh let's get this off the shelf again you know and then you know it becomes part of the setup so it's it's all rotating you know yeah uh, but everything gets used for sure yeah otherwise it wouldn't be here cool mm. to the original question um uh, i don't think that i have anything overpriced here or or something that i <laughs> uh, I, pretty much sold stuff I don't use and that was there was also another question about when, when do you decide that synth has to go I think for me it's like if I haven't used it for two years that's that's the limit that okay maybe I won't it use anymore at any time yeah there you yeah there you yeah go. <laughs> when do you when do you decide when to sell gear I mean that's a, that's <laughs> when a good I need one. money <laughs> yeah when you need money <laughs> to buy drugs well, I'm really for motorcycle at the moment so. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Come yeah, here for, for Samuli, you say it's if it doesn't get used for for two years. But I, I'll be honest, I've I've had pieces of gear for for a long time, and at some point, um, when I was in different, I was my studio was in different locations over the last yeah. uh, uh, decades, and 
um, I, I think I moved four or five times. Um, and I must say, if you are in a new room and have like a whole new idea for a setup or how to place your monitors and, and your, you know, just basically, um, you know, set up your studio. Um, I've, I've had a, a few times when I had a piece of gear, which I dismissed for the, for a long time before moving into a new room. And that came to a whole new life, you know, that started a whole new career in my studio. Uh, when I heard it in a different room and when I had, had the space to set it up in a different way, you know, stuff like that. So it's, um, um, yeah, I mean, even if it doesn't get used for two years and it's not ex too expensive to maintain or, you know, if it mm. doesn't need any maintenance, I'll just keep it around. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. But I think you, you must have much, much more stuff in your, in your studio than what I have. I've always tried to keep everything quite compact. So, well, that's the danger kind of, of moving. That's the danger of moving into a large space. You know, yeah. you, you can, you can keep st uh, stuffing stuff here. You know, you can st keep expanding. So, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's not a collector's, uh, disease is basically um, all being used uh, and gear you regret selling that's another question that i always like to throw in yeah uh <laughs> yeah i i sold the analog i sold my analog for uh last year or something um yeah that's something i regret kind of mm. apart from that i don't have any yeah no you andrea yeah, I mean, I was selling the the Swayman, as I said. Oh, which mm. one? The SK one. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. But because I wanted to, you know, buy a single modules for for it, mm. because I, I find it amazing. But a certain point was a bit like limited somehow. I was trying to also integrate with other Eurorack to go out and inside stuff, but I was not able to really open it like I wanted. And now it's uh, worth twice the amount of money that you sold it for, I guess. <laughs> I spent it already. <laughs> I will collect <laughs> others to buy another system. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sway. <laughs> what's it called? Sway man. Sway man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I never I never knew how it pronunciated. Yeah, Swayman, I think. Swayman, yeah. 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 Swayman. Is it yeah. is it Swedish company or? Yeah, no? I, they're yeah, yeah they're I think yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Uh, question from uh, Jasper. I I suppose Jasper. Uh, do you still? Uh, why did you leave the Cubis going to? Uh, it was too small, and I moved out. You know, I used to live there, um, and it was, uh, it, yeah, it, it, I grew out, grew out of it basically. Um, so that's the only reason. <laughs> I wanted to have a place uh, close, close by, and uh, not uh, too far from my house. You know, so like. Uh, in like a five minute five minute radius yeah yeah so you, always you, in rotterdam yeah i've never never really i've never left rotterdam yes i've always been here um yeah the space was not uh efficient either no it was uh a, a how do you call a pyramid with three act three sides 
I don't know. Anyway, that was the shape of the room, uh, which was terrible. <laughs> but it was cool, you know. It for 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 the time it worked, you know, very well. Uh, and you know, there is something to say for and against having uh, your studio at, at home. You know, sometimes it can be, uh, I don't know, um, it can be too much in your face, and and sort of uh, it could be kind of. I mean, when I had my studio at home, it was like hard to leave the studio, or um, you know, when to go there and when not to go there is is a bit uh, it's a bit blurry, you know. And mm -hmm. I like to I like to go to the studio for to do my job to do music and to do mm -hmm. you know studio stuff and then when i'm at home i like to do stuff at home you know home yeah. stuff yeah <laughs> i had this so. when, when i started hoarding gear <laughs> i first had like like few pieces next to my turntables at home and then then all of a sudden we ended up in a situation when our living room was basically half half filled with my <laughs> <laughs> Well, Samoli, maybe you should move that stuff to somewhere else. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't. It wasn't intentional, but it just happened. And, uh, right. So, so are you, so are you at? It's like one hundred meters from home. So. Um, ah, okay. So you're you're not at home, but you're close. That's so. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Nice one. Mm. And. You, Tim, and uh, Andrea. Tim, are uh, you? Um, I just at moved home? out of. My, yeah, I'm at home now. I just moved up out of my studio. I lost my studio space, sadly enough, um, a couple of months ago. So I'm at home for the moment. But I mean, I'll have a new one pretty soon as well. Which mm -hmm. is, I mean, I hope. Um, which is uh, on Dimpelhof, which is not that far from my house as well. So it's at the old airport. Um, it's like a five-minute bike ride, or something. So, but yeah, I definitely agree with with you on uh, like if your studio is at your house, that it's difficult to switch off the studio stuff and then just do house stuff basically mm. because it's always there. Yeah, uh, and you're always like, oh. Hmm. What I usually do is turn all the synths off, though. So like. I don't keep them on because if I see links lights blinking, it's like a Pavlov <laughs> effect basically. I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> come, come. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into one more last uh, subject. This might be interesting. From Leo Colonia. Is anybody using reel-to-reel -reel machines in the studio? Starting with uh, Andrea, maybe have you? Do I you don't use know tape? what is a reel to reel? Ah, oh, no, tape. Um, tape, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I mean because I think that it makes like uh, kind of sounding things in the way that I'm not looking forward to make it sound in that way. Like I mean, I know it applies like compressor, EQing, and sometimes also some kind of little. You know, uh, flutter. Yeah, I don't like. Mm. I never had one, but maybe I could use it as a effect as a tape delay, but not to pass the stereo on it. I mean, it's a kind of approach when people want to make mm, stuff to sound in that way. That is, I think, is more related to lo-fi approach than the hi-fi. Mm. So no, I've never been into it. Okay. Well, I, um, I do. I I do have tape uh, tape machines, um, and 
uh, I don't. I, I've I've used it as a mastering recording ah. thing a few times, but just because that the material was kind of asking for it, you know, to be taped, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. sort of the compact uh, lo-fi sound was was very useful for that type of music. But usually, it it's uh, if I do use it, it's it's part of the you know uh, like sound a channel, design channel strip. Yeah, like no. You, you yeah. pass a single sound into it. Yeah, some single sound or or to you know it it. I mean, you uh, if I when I use it, I use it you know very obviously as as an effect. You know, not I don't I'm not looking for tiny differences between a digital recording and and a, a tape recording, um, just because I want to feel that I'm you know doing something tapey you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it needs so if i if i use it i use it as a creative tool so like maybe slow things down four times or play it backwards or you know to record yeah. it too hot or something or yeah. intentionally fluttering the tape or you know this you know uh use a, a particularly bad um old tape that doesn't record everything but just uh, parts of it you know just stuff like that can be nice as a as a as a sound design thing but um i actually owned a, a 16 track at some point but i and i had some ideas for it you know i was really enthusiastic but i never and really ended up adding it to my workflow so i abandoned that idea again and sold it and I don't regret it, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, tape is interesting, man. It's a, uh, as an effect and as a medium, it's, um, um yeah, but even yeah. like with tape, you can go on for ages, like this tape, this, this head, this stuff, this other. Yeah. Stuff. I'm not too, I'm not too fussy about it though. I know what I'm looking for when I do use it. And, uh, and that's, and it's, it's just a really nice way to make things contrast with uh, more pure digital sounds you know yeah it can provide a, di a different type of texture in in your in your sound space basically that's 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 the reason why i think uh, it's useful at this point in my uh, sound design uh <laughs> progresses progression yeah for me using using reel-to-reel -reel tapes since i'm using pretty much only analog devices there there's already lots of uh extra hisses and hums involved mm. so <laughs> i don't yeah. think it makes any any better in that sense but uh or with uh tape saturation thing i'm i'm that's not really my thing as a sound but uh but this kind of music concrete idea about th this is something that i would someday want to explore maybe when i'm 60 or 70. <laughs> but uh, samuli do you use some kind of, do you use some kind of filters to clean the dc the the electricity or stuff sometimes yeah for some instruments they need or some modules need that because they they sound pretty crappy but uh mm just like like want to leave some some have some have that as their characteristic so I, I don't want to leave it out but sometimes when it doesn't fit the the whole idea of the track that has been composed then so what are you what are you saying you you use stuff to treat to treat modules which have too strong ten, uh, trenchants or or have too many peaks or something is that what you're saying you know no, i mean like 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 stuff that for example uh if I run things through some uh, the Lyra 8 FX delay mm. thing, it sounds 
it's not just a delay it it, it has a lot of character and uh, yeah mm. so if you are fine with that then it's it's cool but if you want to start filtering then it gets really really complicated no yeah i'm asking yeah. this because i'm what is this uh, something that i'm always struggling with is to mm. clean the sound from the like you know the electrical uh um, oh, okay line of the the room of the house of when i plug the, uh, the the speakers or when i plug the mixer and the machine sometimes you know there's a lot of dirtness that i always have struggled to clean so okay. what do you use if you use something you know filters like well, no no not I, I don't think i don't i don't have that much of a problem with the grounds here okay yeah uh, ground yeah mm. No, me world. neither. And if it's there, I'll just leave it in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> layer, layer something on top and you're good yeah. to go, basically. <laughs> well, you can, with, with a very um, uh, narrow EQ, you can usually find a band. If it's really distracting you and really uh, bu bugging you, you can you can look for it and, and get rid of it just by just filtering a very narrow yeah. uh, band, you know, I guess. But um, might as well just, if it's not, you know, completely uh, ruining the recording, um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's stuff that um, even if there is a ground thing going on somewhere in my studio, I usually have something else that is louder anyway. So it's, always, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's going. It's going to be masked, you know, at some point. Then <laughs> when you find the find so the I'm machine, not the only have, one. Have, just put a yeah. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think any amazing track has ever been dismissed. Okay, this is amazing, but oh damn that uh. hum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> also, this this, this uh, uh, that if things sound too clean, now we come back to the early discussions. That, that yeah. I mean, if, if yeah. things sound too clean, then they become inhuman in a way. Yeah. There's mistakes. Yeah, sterile and boring. Surf, yeah. There's, there's surface noise in our lives, so I think that that what makes things more interesting. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you walk around on the street, like you always hear something. So, mm. and when it's like there's literally no sound, I mean, I think I did the experiment with this room that they completely treated that was so dead that you could basically hear the slightest, oh, like, like yeah. an awake room. Yeah. Yeah. And people go insane basically if you put them in there for like longer than half an hour. So, yeah. you yeah. need a bit of like grit to music to make it pleasant to the ear. Anyway, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Okay, guys. We're uh, almost 11. Let's uh, let's do the the promo plug round. <laughs> 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 Who wants to start? Uh, Samuli, you oh, look yeah. really happy when I said that. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, well. tell us. What are you up to? What can we expect from you? What do you have to plug? On Friday, the Bandcamp Day, I have a release coming out uh, on, on my own Power of Voltages label. It's, uh, I did, did this uh, live set for this uh, audiovisual festival that was held here in Helsinki in October. And uh, now this, this is kind of a digital album reconstructed from that live set uh, that I made. And it's, it's experimental and um, it's on my alias dissolution step. And uh, it's not techno, it's just like... Uh, don't apologize for it. I mean, uh, it's something else than so people don't expect it to be. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's my more experimental side. 
Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think that one one good side of this big uh, big uh, quarantine period is that a lot of people is pay, paying more attention to experimental music. I think. Yeah, and people have time to do the side projects. For your head, instead of the missing absent dance floors. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. Actually, I have to say this: that like getting these promos that are like these floor killers. Which fucking floor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, Sorry. so that's definitely where we're we're, we're going to definitely uh, look out for that one. Uh, I would also encourage people to check out uh, somebody's YouTube channel because there are some really oh. nice jams on there. Um, yeah. Anything else? going on you want to promote anything uh, else coming up or i have just no, did that's I, I, I done only a few remixes for this period i mean i have still waiting for the original stuff to come when the label will start again to release music okay so you don't have anything coming out soon but um no coming you, up you, no okay well keep an eye out for your stuff uh, nevertheless i guess thanks <laughs> uh and uh, Tim? Um, yeah, I have a next wait, uh, next week Friday. So next, yeah, next, yeah, next week Friday. Um, there's a journalist, uh, Ian Irvina, and he wrote. Um, he spent five years on the oceans, on the all the oceans all over the world, um, and he did like research journalism about all the things that happened there. So be it human trafficking. Um, illegal fishery, all those, all those things basically. And he wrote a book about it. Um, and now he asked a bunch of artists to actually make a soundtrack with all of the audio he recorded during his travels. So he sent me a massive sample bank of all the interviews, audio of like random field recordings. Um, cool. And then he asked you to read the book and write a soundtrack for the book. So that's what I did a couple of months ago, and that's coming out next week, Friday. Nice. Cool. Is that the same uh, project that Steve Rahmat was uh, asked yeah. to do something for? Yeah, yeah I've heard yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's so really it's nice. finally coming out then? Yeah, that's coming out uh, next week. So Okay. Yeah. Nice. We'll, uh, we'll look out for that one. That's cool. Uh, okay, guys. Yeah, I think I'll just uh, have another go at um, uh, plugging our store hoodies. Look at these. Um, <laughs> They're uh, embroidered uh, logo um, store hoodies, and we've got them in in uh, only in black, but one is with uh, the white logo, small small white logo, and the luxurious one has a, a massive black um, embroidered logo. Um, so it's like a shiny jet black on matte black. It looks really wow. really really cool. Uh, we are doing them by pre-order only, and the uh, pre-order is open until the. 10th, I believe, 10th of December. Um, Sander, <laughs> help me out. Yeah, it's the 10th, I think. Uh, the 12th, the 12th. <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway, you've got to be quick uh, because they're limited for this uh, this pre-order time only. Uh, and I would like to um, uh, uh, suggest to have a look at our Patreon page. That's a, a place where you can get uh, goodies like sound banks and you can uh get into the master classes that we're doing at the moment and uh or you can just support us because you like the the project um and and, and then there's the discord server that's our 
offline uh, or online offline community it's when we're doing the knob twiddlers like these um, usually uh, we continue to chat um, in the discord server it's sort of people who don't know what discord is like a, an online forum it's like a massive whatsapp group with uh, and ours is uh, uh, you know, hundreds and, and almost a thousand uh, nerds like us, you know, talking about gear and uh, posting their music and uh, discussing all the stuff the, that is has to do with uh, studio life and making music. So have a look there if you want to continue the chat. Uh, and I think that's about it. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, it's cool, guys. Thanks a lot for hanging out. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Great to see you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Yeah. Cool. See you guys. Good luck. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye.